0: We have been on a quest to understand better righteousness, the righteousness of God. And we've understood that it wasn't really revealed to us with a sense and understanding in the Gospels or in Acts where we really got the revelation of righteousness is in the Pauline revelation. And so Paul got this download about righteousness and it began to sap out and and flow over into the rest of the disciples, especially John um, and Peter got it. They began to understand that there was this new creation birth and this new creation birth made the believer righteousness. It was beyond the old righteousness. The old righteousness was by the law, and by the law, it was temporal. Now, right now, right in this season we're in right now, I was in Israel during Yom Kippur. Right in that season, that day of atonement, it's a temporary covering. It's an annual covering, a covering of sin. So, We celebrate Yom Kippur, but not for the same reason. We celebrate Yom Kippur. You know how I pray during Yom Kippur? That those who are seeking righteousness with God find the king of righteousness. Because we have the king of righteousness every day. We don't just have a temporal covering. We want more than atonement. That's a day of atonement. We want cleansing. We want to be totally cleansed. And the righteousness we have in Jesus Christ means that your sins have been forgiven and totally washed away. You don't have to worry about, are they going to creep back up this year? Or am I going to fall back this year? And we're like... What happens if I die in the middle of the year and I don't make it to the Day of Atonement? And, and the Day of Atonement today, in, um, um, unfortunately to say with my own people, is a form of hypocrisy because for there to be atonement, there must be the shedding of blood. There's no shedding of blood. There's no temple. There's no sacrifices. That's what got me in trouble, I guess. I don't know. There's, there's no way out. And so really, what is it? It's just a form It's a form of a symbol of a form of a symbol because those are nothing but shadows of the truth. So the shadow of the truth has got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. But we are new creations. And in a new creation, we are made in the image of Christ again and in his likeness. And his likeness is righteousness, he's the king of righteousness. Malachi, or should I say Malachi, the Italian prophet at the end of the book, Malachi said that the son of righteousness, S-U-N, will will light you up, will light you up. So there's a brightness that comes from the throne of God that lights us up. We are made the righteousness of God. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times to you in the last 11 weeks, and that it comes out of 2 Corinthians 5.21. He was made sin who knew no sin that you, might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he was made the sin that people are trying to get forgiven of, and there's only one way to be forgiven. It's to thank him for making the sin and say, I believe, forgive me, and it is done. And in that moment, in that very moment, there's a transformation. And it's not just changing your old nature. Your old nature isn't changed. Your old nature is gone. It's dead and it's passed away. Old things have passed away, come on, all things are new. And so what's in you is new and what it is, is it's the new man, it's the new birth. And and remember, remember for all those listening, when I say man, we're not speaking gender, we're speaking species, both male and female. So made new, new creation, new transformation and with that birth, comes the nature of God. Peter, Peter called it in 2 Peter. He said, we have partaken of the divine nature of God. That nature of God, according to him in the justice of all of his creation, is righteousness. And that righteousness embodies everything that he is. And that means it has been Put into you, you have not only have a name of righteousness, you have an essence of righteousness. You have the God stuff, and the God stuff is all righteousness. And if the all righteousness is in you, then he that is within you is greater than he that's in the world. You are already at an advantage in every situation. Now, we talked about sin consciousness. I need to do this again because I'm building up to some fruits of righteousness. Before I get there, I don't want to think that anybody hasn't followed the steps. We've dealt with each one of these things week by week. In a detailed examination of righteousness and the revelation of such. Sin consciousness comes out of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse more. And sin consciousness is what happened when Adam fell in the garden. He became conscious of sin. He said, I'm naked. And God said, who told you you're naked? And that sin consciousness prevailed all the way up into the new birth. And that sin consciousness has tentacles that don't want to let go. It holds on not in your spirit because your spirit has been transformed. Your spirit is a new creation spirit. Your spirit has been made the righteousness of Christ, in the righteousness of God in Christ through faith, right? Through faith. So by faith, you've been made the righteousness of God. But your soul, your emotions, and especially our mind has to overcome sin consciousness. What is sin consciousness? Sin consciousness comes to condemn you. Sin consciousness comes to tell you you don't deserve something. Sin consciousness comes to put you in a position where you can't receive or don't think you're eligible or qualified or worthy to receive what God has for you. Sin consciousness tells you that you're sick the doctor says you're sick and because the doctor says you're sick that he has more reason than your spirit and so you accept you're sick and we begin to practice being sick sin consciousness tells you that you're poor you're always going to be poor your daddy was poor your mama was poor your kids are poor everybody's going to be poor that's sin consciousness sin consciousness tells you that you should listen to your senses You should respond to what you see and hear, not to the Word of God. So what is the anecdote for sin consciousness? The Word of God. And fellowship with God. Fellowship with God and the Word of God overcomes sin consciousness. How often do you need it? All the time. Anytime that you're pressed with a situation, you got to turn to the Word of God. That's why we eat the Word of God. And something happened When you were born again, something happened when you received the spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the nefesh of God was emboldened into you. Something happened. It quickened you. And when it quickened you, that spirit alive in you knows the language of the word of God. It understands the word of God. Not only does it understand, it teaches the word of God, and it manifests the word of God, because there's three in one, and the word of God, he said himself, Jesus Christ, I must go, because I'm going to send you one who's gonna be able to do greater things with you than I could do in the physical realm with you. So the spirit of God is in us, and when we quicken that spirit with the word of God, it becomes embedded. In us it becomes part of who you are and that word of God comes to your rescue in every situation now sin consciousness needs to be overcome anything that you know is holding you back from being free in the spirit you need to put it on the altar of the spirit and crucify it and sometimes we have to do that every day how many of you you, know, uh, you, you know, how many of you have absolutely no anxieties? Anybody here? Because I'm going to give you a room with a sofa, and you can counsel everybody in the church one by one all year long, right? Everybody has anxieties. We don't like to confess fears, but let's face it, we're human. If we embrace fear, fear comes, right? And sometimes it hits us suddenly, Sometimes something suddenly happens. Something happens in the middle of the night. Something happens in the day. A bad word comes about a relative, a loved one, or a doctor tells us something's trying to grow in our body or financial problems just hit us out of the sky. Uh, Everything's hunky-dory and all of a sudden there's a flood and half your house is ruined and you find out your insurance wasn't paid. And things come. Things come. Anxieties come, fears come, but when the Word of God is, is, is alive inside of us, we strike those things down, and we don't allow the sin consciousness to get a root inside of us. Some of the things of the sin consciousness need to be ripped out. They're cultural, they're generational, they're spiritual. They're spiritual things that happen. Generational curses are real, but they're only real if we don't denounce them and get them out. And once we have them out, we break those bondages, we break those yokes, we break the legal ties. It's called the legal ties that the enemy of your spirit and soul has into your generations, into your children, into your lives, into ourselves. But for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And the Lord says we have the power to redeem our seed. So let's redeem our seed. I'm going to tell you, I am so fanatical about the power to redeem seed. I think I can redeem it past, present, and future. You say, whoa, are you God? No, I'm not God. The Lord says, ask me what you shall in my name, and I shall give it to you. You see why I believe that? Because if I want to believe I'm stuck in time, I'm stuck in time. That means I don't have any control over anything. It's whatever time wants to give me, I serve time instead of time serving me but God said you can redeem time. If I can redeem time, what am I redeeming it from the future? No, it hasn't come yet. So you have to redeem it in the present. And guess what? It just became the past. The words I just spoke to you became the past. Time keeps ticking and everybody is measured by time. What do we redeem time from? The past. So we redeem time from the past. That means I don't have to be what my family was before. I can be greater than that. And by the mercies of God, I don't know how it's going to happen. But Lord, I'm praying for all that went before me. I'm praying, Lord, for that that's good. And you say, but pastor, you're getting a little Catholic on us. We're going to pray for souls that died. No, I'm not getting Protestant, Catholic, or Jewish on you. I'm believing the word of God. We can redeem time. How far does it go? I don't know. But guess what? I'm willing to push the edge. I'm willing to push it. I'm radical enough in my faith that I'm willing to push it. And I'm not going to be contained or restrained by what any person tells me. I'm going to move according to the word of God. And according to that word of God, I have an eternal nature. You have an eternal nature. If we understood, if we became cognizant, if our minds were lit up, and on fire with the eternal, infinite, all-powerful nature that's inside of us, we would not be restrained or restricted or held back from anything. We could do all things through Christ. Everything is possible. And you know what? I like to get past the possible realm and into the probable realm. Possible is good, but possible means it could or couldn't happen. Probable to me is a little better, but I like it even further. I like it. Declaration. I like to declare the things of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of which is not seen. That means it's somewhere. That means it's somewhere for me to pull down and declare. Jesus never said to beg a mountain to be removed. The church needs to quit begging. We're not beggars. Christ didn't give himself up for us to be beggars. Beggars are those that come and want to get the crumbs. Remember he said I just want the crumbs give me the crumbs and Jesus said they get the crumbs we're not the crumbs we got the true blood we got the king of kings we got the righteousness of God we don't beg we declare ask what ye shall in my name and you shall receive it ask what you shall you know thank God for his mercy and grace with us I mean it's one thing about the unbeliever how about believers we need a lot of mercy and grace because we frustrate Him. If it was, how about if your children constantly ask you for the same thing? May I have a popsicle? My grandchildren come to our house. My wife has treats. They know right where to go. They don't even ask anymore. They go right in the refrigerator and the, 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 the spare refrigerator. And if it's not there, we hear about it. What happened to the Reese cups? Well, I ate one. Oh. They go right for the popsicles. And the funny thing about it is once they have one, they want another one. And then they want another one. And then they want another one. And, and if you had children that asked you for the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, and, 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 and how about when you say no and they won't give up? How about when you say no to a child or to an adult and they won't quit? They just keep coming. You get agitated. You want to slam the door. You want to shut him off in a room and tell him, shut up already. Can you imagine what we do to God? Begging him for stuff when he said, what are you doing? Vey, I gave it to you already. He says, it's yours. Ask in my name. I was just talking to um, a man uh, a couple days ago, and he was he was reminding me what Chow said. Remember Chow? And, and he said that When he first started out in ministry, he was very upset because he didn't have many people in the church, people weren't coming, and other people had a bicycle, he didn't even have a bicycle. So he said to the Lord, Lord, how come I don't have a bicycle? How come people aren't in my church? Why am I struggling so hard? And he said, the Lord taught him a lesson that changed his life. And he said, you didn't ask me for a bicycle. And he said, and if you're going to ask me for a bicycle, tell me what kind of bicycle you want. You want a broken-down bicycle or you want a nice 10-speed bicycle that can get you from town to town? Do you want people in your church? Ask me for people in your church. Just be prepared to feed them when they come. So he began to be specific with God, and he found out that God was answering those prayers. Because it moved from begging to a place of confidence in the righteousness of God of who we are. You are a powerful new creation of God. You have everything that God has stored into you. So the question is, why? Why, if we have all of these things, why aren't we being those that are moving and functioning victoriously in our righteousness? What have we done to limit our righteousness? Why are we so slow to act at times? And I'm telling you that the purpose, the reason for that is, is that we need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds in Christ Jesus about who we are, what he is. Now, I've shared with you that a lot has been said in the kingdom of God, and it's all good about plans, purpose, identity. We go through these swings and moves and things and it's all good. We receive it all. It's all wonderful stuff. But if you don't know that you've been made the righteousness of God, you can try to figure out your identity all day long and you've already, it's like saying you don't have a last name, right? What's your name? Tim. How many Tims are there? Oh, boy, I don't know. Uh, my, my name's uh, Ying Yao. How many Ying Yao's are there? A whole bunch. You have to have a last name. You have to have an identity. Your identity is the righteousness of Christ. That's who you are. When you know your identity of who you are, then everything else begins to flow perfectly into you. And that's who you are. You've been made in the righteousness of Christ. Made, again, I'm going to remind you, no matter how you translate it, especially in the Hebrew, but also in the Greek, it's very intimate. It's like intercourse. You have been made. You have been joined intimately with Christ inseparably. And not only that, but you're in a relationship with God that can never be broken. So righteousness is more than just a state. Not the old righteousness. It's not just how you act. It's who you are. And because of who you are, then there's fruits of righteousness. Fruits of righteousness that begin to birth in you and with everybody and everything you do. We have unlimited righteousness. Let that soak in for a minute. Unlimited righteousness. Now, get out of the the justice part of it. That is part of it, the legal part of it's one. Let's get into the intimate part of it. You have unlimited righteousness righteousness. That means that if you will, you can operate and function with an eternal victory in everything that you do. It means you're unlimited, infinite in all that you can do that God has given you to be. It means beyond that you have access to all knowledge, all wisdom, all power, all resources of the kingdom of God. We have not yet begun to understand or see what the abundant resources are of the kingdom of God. Remember, we have one of our foundational understandings in this church, what is the capacity of God? Abundance, Abundance. what does abundance mean? Overflowing, you can't contain it. That's how much you have in unlimited righteousness. We need to activate it. We need to activate our unlimited privileges. And we need to take our rightful place as God's rulers on this earth. You are God's rulers. We had a whole week about kings and priests, remember? They're not the same. When we just flow through Christianity, we've been made kings and priests. Oh, I'm a king and priest. But you don't even know you're righteous. What are you a king and priest of? You're king of your dog? You know, what are you a priest of? I'm not even going to say what I just thought about my wife says, don't do it. She knows that when I say that, Barney, I want to say it. I, I just. <laughs> There's a lot of thrones. That's all I'll say. Okay. Kings and priests. Barney told me to do it. Barney told me to do it. He, he said, we went like this, honey. He, he, he went like this. Kings and priests. A king needs a dominion. Without a kingdom, you're not a king. And without a dominion, you don't have it. And without people you don't have a kingdom. So a kingdom has people, it has a sphere of influence, and it has dominion. It's horizontal. So you're a king, that kingdom has geography to it. It can be a spiritual sphere, and it can be a dominion sphere. Every one of you and me has been raised to have a kingdom, to have a dominion. We need to seize our kingdoms. And something happens when you begin to seed into your kingdom, your kingdom grows. And my kingdom overlaps your kingdom, and your kingdom overlaps my kingdom. And the spheres of the kingdom begin to grow, and it's called an organic body of Christ. And someday I'm the eye, and someday you're the foot. And someday I'm the pinky, and someday you're the tongue. All I know is our spheres begin to grow. And Paul fed said, you, because of you, you enlarge my sphere. That's what he told him. Because of you, you enlarge my sphere to the church at Corinth. And so together we grow. That's the kingdom. But you're also priests. And a priest is one who can what? Have fellowship with God. And the fellowship with God means that whatever you ask in his name, you shall receive. Think of this. Jesus was never afraid of the Father. He had fellowship with the Father. He said, I'm one with my Father. As my Father is, so am I. Do you know why Jesus spent so much time praying? I could just give you one reason. Maybe you have a lot more. Because he needed to renew his spirit. He had the fullness of the spirit. But guess what? The world will wear you down. And Daniel says we're coming into that time where the enemy wants to wear down the saints. And we'll wear down if we don't re-energize. Did we turn the heat off in here? Or is it just me getting hot? Whoo! You all do that to me, don't you? They, see, they get mad when I say put the air on. But right now I guarantee it's about 120 up here. But that's all right. That's all right. So, there is a little fan back there, but we didn't turn it on. So, fellowship with God. It's vertical. You're a priest. What does a priest do? A priest offers on the altar for the people. Right? Don't don't get distracted with my pretty wife for a moment. The priest offers on the altar for the people. You're a priest. What are you to do? You're to offer at the altar of God for the people. Also, for yourself, the first thing a priest has to do before he or she can enter into the Holy of Holies is make sure they're good. Cleansing, not cleansing of sin. Jesus cleanses sin. You can't cleanse your own sin. You've got to cleanse your mind. You've got to cleanse your soul. You've got to make sure nothing's attached to your spirit. You've got to cleanse the old man trying to come alive again and getting foothold in your spirit. You've got to say, no, I'm redoing my mind. I'm renewing my mind in God. And yes, if we fall away, 1 John 1, 9, we confess and God is there. Because you know why? Do you think that Jesus is now... Just gonna forgive your sin at that moment, that's that is a natural mindset. Do you know when he already forgave that sin? When he was in hell. When he rose back from hell, he already paid that price. So that sin has already been locked in hell. Now you have to unlock it. And you have to say, put it under the blood, Lord. He already paid the price for it. Do you know the only thing that haunts people? The things they don't put on the altar right? Sexual perversion. People walk around with sexual perversions. They don't put it on the altar. What was the only thing in the Psalms that David never put on the altar before God? His sexual problems. What haunted him? What got him? His sexual problems, didn't they? And some of his own arrogance and ego. Of course, none of us ever have that problem. We're never, we don't have arrogance or egos. Just David did. What we don't put on the altar has authority over us. What we put on the altar, you've broken the authority of. So as priests for God, we go to the altar, we lay it on the altar, we let the Lord crucify it. But here's another scripture that says the priest is allowed to partake of what he puts on the altar. So now you're able to partake everything you put on that altar, you're a partaker of. And guess what? Ralph put something on the altar. Because we're joined in a sphere, I get to partake what he put on the altar. That's why we grow Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's why we see the disciples and then Jesus and the church. Because we grow and build from each other. And you don't have to pay the same price that someone else had to pay to give you something better. I love to come under the teaching of wise men and women. And I refuse to come under the teaching of stupid men and women. I don't want to, and, and, and I refuse to come under stalemate. I don't want to hear the same thing over and over and over and over. If I had to hear an evangelism get saved message every week, I'd go crazy. How many times are you going to get saved? Right? There's a lot more to it than that. Why? Because I'm getting the benefit of whatever they sacrificed in their life to get they're downloading it into me. And I'm getting it in an instance. And we live in a world where we can pick and choose and get so much. We can get people's whole lives downloaded into us, which means that you can accelerate so much faster with the maturity in the things of God and receiving them without having to figure it all out on your own. That's part of the mind of Christ, part of the mind of Christ to the body. And so, the other things the Pauline uh, epistles are a roadmap of revelation in the new righteousness. And I like what E.W. Kenyon said about that. Can we go to Romans 8.37, please? Because, because we have the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 3, right? We have have the righteousness of God in faith. We receive it in faith. Because we do, this is who we are. Romans 8.37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm more than a conqueror. Now, put him him to the test and ask him, what is more than a conqueror? What do you call that person? Huh? What do you call him? A king and a priest. You're a king and a priest. A king doesn't have to conquer his own kingdom. You already have it. A priest doesn't have to ask somebody else to go in for you. You're already there. You're more than a conqueror. You're a king and you're a priest. And you're filled with the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Amen. So when you say I'm more than a conqueror, then take it to the next step. I'm more than a conqueror because I am a king and a priest. I am a king and a priest. Speak to your spirit as often as you need to, at least once a day. Hello, King Frank. How are you today? I'm fine, King Frank. How are you? (laughs) Hello, Priest Frank. How are you today? I'm feeling quite priestly. How about you, Priest Frank? Kings and priests. Kings and priests of the greatest government without end. The increase forevermore. The very altar of God himself. That's who you are. So all these other things, they must bow to you in his name. Another reason why we don't attain what we're supposed to be because we don't use his name. We don't use his name. We use pills, medicine, lots of counseling, more counseling, lots of counseling, more counseling. I think one of the most sad things I experienced was somebody who was in a congregation that I was leading I'm not going to give you too many details. They came to me, and they were having marital problems. He came to me. So I was just trying to, to get some sense of what was going on. I said, well, how long has this been going on? He goes, well, about 13 years. How long have you been married? 14? 13 out of the 14 pretty bad. And you came from another church, yes. Did you ever get counseling? Oh, yes. How long? Six years. Six years of counseling, do any good? Nope. I said, so why are you coming to me? He said, I thought maybe you had another answer. I said, I do. Number one, I don't like counseling. I said, I don't believe in counseling, but I do believe in breaking those yokes and bondages. And then I asked him one question, are you willing to die? What do you mean am I willing to die? Are you willing to die? You willing to give up all your rights, but you don't know what she's, I said, you willing to give up all your rights? I have to think about it. I said, when you're done thinking about it, you come and talk to me and we'll pray about it. Because until you're willing to die, I can counsel you for another six years. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. So I'm pretty tough when it comes to counseling. Because I go right at the root. We can waste, Pete and repeat. Those are the two demons that love to come to a counseling session. And they just sit down right next to the person and when you're all done, they leave with them and they start laughing. Hey, <laughs> hey, you can't sit there and counsel people that want to hold on to demonic oppressions and suppressions. They have to go. We have to renew our minds in Christ Jesus. And when we do, then we understand we're in a whole different place. How about this one, Romans five seventeen: For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one... Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Hmm. Grace and righteousness pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Grace and righteousness. We have to come to a place where we're content in the fullness of of abundance. It doesn't mean you're not going to have desires and needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I will add these things unto you. You know, one of the reasons that we went to Israel was I got a last minute invitation to speak at um, Tom and. Well, it was, but it wasn't. They had asked me like five months ago and I said no. And then they asked me one week before it and I said yes. The reason I said no is because they asked me to come and, and teach a business segment. I said, nah. I said, I, I, can't, I can't be restricted. I can't promise you, and I don't want to waste your time to come there, and I'm going to preach a business segment. I said, can I? Absolutely. But you have other people that can do it better than me. I'm not a Seven Mountains person. By the way, somebody there was teaching eight Mountains. I don't know what that one was about. My wife stopped me. I said, I was going to teach nine and ten, but... So I see it, Tom Hess's All Nations Jerusalem Convocation. Wonderful. He and his wife, wonderful people. Wonderful people. I've known Tom since 1987 when he first came to the Mount of Olives. Met him in Bobby Romas' apartment. Had long hair. I liked him because he was a hippie from the United States. And he's been there ever since. And God has just blessed that man. And it's powerful. He's still a hippie, by the way. He just has shorter hair. But I like the way he thinks. Tom doesn't care. I like it a lot. And uh, so I compromised with him. At first, I was going to say no. And then he said, well, uh, I'd like you to be in the main auditorium, but would you teach two business segments? I said, only if I can teach whatever I want to teach. He said, absolutely. So it was interesting because I sat through that day and listened to everybody's segments, and I was the last one to go. All day I was in there. The first day we were there, my eyes were like this. I was trying to stay awake. And... Is a little tired, and I think I got half of it. But every one of them quoted that same scripture, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he will supply all his things unto you. Not one of them quoted in his righteousness. The revelation of righteousness wasn't there. They wanted to seek the kingdom of God, and then one guy had a very nice wonderful man from Asia, had a four-point uh, PowerPoint about how you seek the kingdom of God. That was okay and he meant it he was a banker you know qualified and so what do you think I preached about when I got up righteousness. righteousness and what do you think the people responded to righteousness and when they got it they said oh my god why haven't I known this before because the blind had been leading the blind people aren't teaching it. So we love, to, we love to dissect scripture and take the part that fits it without the rest of it, don't we? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and it will be added unto us. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more with those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man. I wanted to share about fullness, and I'm going to be stopping with this one. Contentment and fullness. You know, I don't know about you, but this isn't just because I'm getting older. I think it was forever. Um. Well, maybe after I was a young man, but I don't know about you. But how about Thanksgiving dinner? And there's a big turkey, and they say something about turkey makes you want to sleep. I don't know. I think it's true because every time I've had a big Thanksgiving dinner, I want to take a nap whether I was 18 or as young as I am now at 35, I don't know. But there's something about a meal, a contentment of a meal. And then when you're fulfilled in that meal, you rest. And all of a sudden, everything stops and slows down. And no matter what you're doing, you know, you, you, you fall and you get a moment of resting in a full meal. There's something that comes with with having the fruit of the fullness of righteousness in your spirit, and you practice it, just like you're having a Thanksgiving dinner. You practice saying, I'm gonna rest in the righteousness. Now, when Bishop Harry called me last night, um, he's headed to London, and I had prophesied that to him a year and a half ago after his wife passed away. We're very, very close, and I was the first one to minister to him when she passed away when he landed in Akron, I mean in Africa. And one of the things he said, Brother Frank, I just got the revelation of, of, the, of, of, of the Sabbath. I said, oh, you're not getting legalistic on me, brother. I'm going to come up there and slap it out of you. And uh, he said, no, 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 a Sabbath rest. I said, so tell me what it means. He said, I just got to take time out sometime and just rest in the Lord to receive. I'm so busy. And he said, I couldn't, they couldn't figure out why I was so tired for the last six weeks, seven, eight weeks. He said, what happened was they checked my blood. My blood was good. They checked my blood pressure. My blood pressure was good. They said my cancer had not come back. It was in remission. The scars in my lungs were healed. He said, but I was tired. And he said, and now all of a sudden I'm going to London and I realized that's the one place where I used to rest with my wife. We would go there and rest for two, three, five, or six days. He says, I'm going to go rest in London, and I'm expecting God's going to show me what you prophesied over me. And he said, and then I want to do all these different things he told me when I get back. He said, will you walk with me in these things? I said, yes, Harry, of course I'll walk with you. You're my friend. He's going there to rest. I said, may I share with you a little bit about righteousness? And when I was done, he said, oh, my God. I said, go rest in your righteousness. Go rest in your righteousness of fulfillment. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, Recently, we've been blessed because in the last two years, uh, our one daughter moved back who'd been gone. Uh, You know, she's married. She has a baby now. They have Zachary, and we have another little goddaughter, uh, grandchild daughter through that Ava who's 12. And then our other daughter, Keshet, and Adam, and the baby was here, and Gabriel, I don't know, I think he has a football game or something. (laughs) I don't know what happened. She was running around. i love to see her twirling a uh, a praise flag. They moved back. And so we did, I don't know, the Lord led me, we put up a playground behind our house. And so they come every day to the playground. And they come in the house and they get their popsicles and do whatever they're doing. And I heard my wife say about three weeks ago after she had been able to hug all of, all of those grandchildren, we're still missing two of them yet in the area. And she she said to me, My heart is full. My heart is full. And the little baby, who's just going to be two in about a month, runs to her, calling, Nana, Nana. And she picks her up and hugs her, and her heart is full. That's how we are in the hands of the Father, in His righteousness. When we come to Him and rest in His righteousness, the Father's pleased, and He says, My heart is full the whole reason that he gave his only begotten son was that we might become his family. And he wants his family in fellowship with him. And when we run into his arms and he holds on to us, he smiles and he looks at his son and he says, thank you, son, my heart is full. Resting in the fulfillment of righteousness. So much more we have to know. Final word. You're not growing in righteousness. You can't grow in any more righteousness than you already are. What we're growing in is the knowledge of righteousness. That's why Paul said, I haven't quite apprehended even though I've been apprehended. He was apprehended of Christ. I'm perfected, but I'm trying to perfect. I am already everything that he is, but I need to come to that understanding. So we're on a journey together the knowledge of righteousness we've just begun we've just begun the mystery of the ages was Jesus Christ Ephesians if the devil would have known what Jesus was going to do with new creation and righteousness he would have never crucified him that was the greatest deceit ever was Jesus stooped him he stooped him that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And that's who we are. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Father, let this word just permeate into our minds, into our hearts, into our souls. Come alive in a new way inside of all of us. Let us, Father, throw down every barrier that restricts us and allow our spirits to soar with you as a spiritual eagle new heights, to new depths, to a greater breadth. Let us, Father, be those who not only lay ourselves down for you, but we pick ourselves up in you. Be glorified, O God, and thank you. Thank you for this unspeakable gift. Yes, we thank you for our redemption, and we thank you for our righteousness. The same Jesus who saved us makes us righteous. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cleansing. Thank you, Father, for your wisdom, righteousness, peace, and joy.